So it's so good to be a part of the series. Um, uh, when Matt asked me to be a part of it, I'm like, oh yeah, the Holy Spirit, here we go, baby. All right. So the title of the series is In Step with the Spirit. And what I get to focus on today is the expression of that if in our lives. Matt and Shin have done a fantastic job the last couple weeks. If you weren't here, you need to go back and listen to it. They talked about the theology of it and, and the, the way in which it works within the life of the believer as well, and the power of the Spirit, the kingdom that comes and resides within us, what that means, the indwelling. Um, and so today I get to focus on the expression of it. All right, so first we started with what is it? Then we started with what does it do, and now how does it look, all right? Basically the best way to describe that. Um, and I get really excited about that, because when we understand what Christ has done in our lives, it truly makes a difference within our lives. And so I want to start with, I can't go back and redo their entire series uh, or sermons because there's just not enough time in the day. Um, but I do want to hit on a couple things that they said from a little bit of a different perspective because it really helps segue us into this morning. And the first one is our theme verse. It comes out of Galatians chapter 5, and it says this, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Everything about this is how do we learn to walk with the power of the Holy Spirit? How do we learn to walk in step with the Spirit? And Shin kicked us off in a great way. He, he talked about uh, all the difficulties that come with that, but hopefully after you were listening to, to Shin talk, uh, you'll realize that when we present things about the Holy Spirit, and meaning we, Journey, what we want you to understand is we're going to encourage you to stick with, uh, go ahead to the next slide, stick with to who God is, not who we want God to be. And that's what we do as a church, and that's what we encourage you guys to do as well. Because there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff out there, and we're going to touch on it a little bit at the end of the message, towards the end of the message today. But a lot of people get confused on the Holy Spirit. We get into a lot of arguments on the Holy Spirit. And there, it really shouldn't be that way. And so we really encourage you, stick to who God is, not who we want God to be. And that's really what we've tried to do through this message. So Shin talked about the Trinity, uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Tried to help bring awareness to what does that look like and kind of gave the illustrations that we feebly attempt at, trying to explain away the complexities of the supernatural trinity. And uh, it's hard. You can't really do it. And you'll see why Jesus even says you can't do it. Uh, you'll see that in a little bit. But I love how, how Matt kicked off, how he contextualized what Shin said. Um, and then he kicked it off with, I love his phrase, uh, I don't know if you guys picked up on it, but it should say Matt Dawson at the end, uh, sometimes God just doesn't want you to know, all right? Sometimes there are just things we can't know, um, and the complexities of the supernatural explanation of the Trinity is kind of one of them, but it doesn't negate the power and the position of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It doesn't neutralize any of it, it just means that there's a part of Christ, part of God, a part of the Trinity that we as humans struggle to define. And that would stand to reason because God does say in his word, his ways are higher than our ways. And uh, he thinks, that means he thinks a little bit differently than us. It means he's a little bit smarter. So we're going to stick with that and uh, continue to figure out, okay, so how does this continue to translate into my life? And so Matt shared like a very 50,000 foot high level view of some of the the breakouts, like when you start talking about the Holy Spirit and some of the difficulties that we get into, there, he, he gave us a very good starting point. Now, there might be some that would cringe if, if they are from certain denominations, but I really believe it's a good 50,000 foot view for you to be able to understand maybe where some of the, the difficulties um, started in your life. Because I don't want to, if you're from different denominations, 
We have a lot of them represented in here. We have a lot of them represented in Journey uh, on the staff. But the spirit supported, that's kind of like the little elf on the shelf type deal thing, the little voices, the little good guy, bad guy, voices in the head, little Jiminy Cricket guy walking us along. It's a lot of evangelical belief systems, okay? Like the Holy Spirit's just a little fun thing to help you in life, right? Then there's, there's the spirit-filled. Those are the big Pentecostal preachers, right? Those are, woo, charismatic. I've come from that a little bit. I don't know if it might wear off a little bit in the way that I preach, but I try to tame them a little bit, all right? Why? Because they can do a lot of convicting through um, psychological pressure versus necessarily the power of the Spirit. Now, they're going to say it's the power of the Spirit because they're Holy Spirit-filled. They've been baptized. They've been sanctified. They've been second work of great. All right, go back and listen to Matt. All right. Anyways, Spirit-filled. There's another element out there. Now, that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with it. I have Pentecostal blood in me, okay? But it can kind of get people twisted up a little bit. And you'll understand today, where did that even come from? And then we have spirit living. That's really what we want to focus on. Spirit living is this idea that the Holy Spirit comes to indwell you. And he lives inside of you. The spirit of the living God, the spirit of the resurrected Christ, the one whom we place our faith and trust in lives inside of every single person who calls upon his name to be saved. And Matt did a phenomenal job last week talking about that. But that's where we kick off to today. How does that translate? What does that do? When the spirit of the living Christ dwells inside of me, when he dwells inside of you, when he comes down from this earth and he comes inside of your life, what does it actually mean for you? We some weird alien walking around on this earth? No. But you're a supernatural child of God. And we're going to talk about what that looks like because as journey, uh, you've heard us preach a thousand times that we want people to become mature believers in Christ. What it really means is when you learn to walk and step with the Spirit, you will become a mature follower of Jesus Christ because you won't be able to keep it from happening. And that's what we want people to do. We want people to know, we want you to know, not just think, not just hope, not just kind of theorize, but we want you to know that you can live in step with the Holy Spirit. You can do it. You've been, access, you've been given access to it. God's not going to ask you to do something that he hasn't fully equipped you to be able to do. Christ lives inside of you. So as a follower of Christ, at this point in time, in this sermon series, you should be able to remember and know that you, you receive the Spirit of the Christ within you. You have Literally, the, the, the miracles that Jesus Christ performed, the power by which he did everything, the power by which he defeated death, the power by which he defeated sin and shame and guilt and condemnation and rose from that, the same power is the power that lives inside of you. And we have to know that. that has to, we have to know that, believe that, accept that, because that is where this transformation begins to change. So as Matt and I get to go down and, and do this training down in the DR, one of the phrases that we use in our training uh, from the Cyprus leadership, it's, uh, it says, what the king touches, the king changes. What the king touches, the king changes. When you are touched by the king of kings, the lord of lords, the, the, the savior of our souls, your life cannot help but be changed radically by Jesus Christ. It won't it can't happen. Why? Because what the king touches, the king changes. 
He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He was and is and always will be. And his spirit, if you call upon his name, resides in you. All right? Now, let me show you where this all starts, okay? Uh, we've been dancing all around it. We've been touching on it. We've talked about it. But let's look at what Jesus says. He says, humans can reproduce only human life. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. When you bring a new life into this world, your life literally changes, right? Those of us that have kids, you know your world was forever changed when that life came into this world, right? Hopefully for the better. Those of us that make it better, it's better. Those of you that make it worse, it's worse, right? But for those of us that our life, regardless of good, bad, or indifferent, your life was forever changed because of that baby. Never to be the same. Guess what? You're that baby. Your life will never be the same. It will, you, when Christ does this within you, your spiritual life, you are born again. So don't be surprised when he says it. You're born again. This is that spiritual jargon that Christianese use. Keep going. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but you can't tell where it comes from, where it's going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. And yet we try to come up with all these different kinds of illustrations and things of that nature that try and explain away the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says you can't even do it. But you can't deny the work that's done. You can't deny when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you, there's a change within your life. Why? Because he put a seal on your soul. He, he literally puts himself in you. This is where it comes out of Ephesians. Why does this happen? You were, when you were... And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. You have been marked by God with the Holy Spirit. His Spirit now resides in you. It's no longer I who lives in me, but Christ who lives in me, who is crucified. Keep going. Who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. Why is it there? Because it's guaranteeing you are God's until the day you die to the redemption of those who are God's possession. Remember the song we just sang? The reckoning that's continuing to happen. If I fall back into it, until that day of reckoning is completed, I know that I'm not alone. I have someone standing in the fire with me. It is the Holy Spirit who stands with you no matter what trial, what tribulation, no matter what it is that you're going through. And the purpose of it, church, the purpose, is to bring glory and honor and praise to his name. We closed out with that song. Remember the words... Chris and the worship team were singing. To your glory. All things work to good for your glory. That's why we're down here. It's not for our benefit. It's to bring glory and honor to him. When we do this, we begin. That's the beginning stages of understanding what the Holy Spirit is going to do when he expresses himself within our lives. Let me give you just a little bit of history. Um, on why we have so many divisions and why we get so twisted on this. Back in 1900, uh, early 1900s, it's actually 1906 to 1915, there's this little thing called the Azusa Pacific Revival. All right? And if you want to study it, you can go back and study it. Azusa Pacific Revival, 1906 to 1915. It changed the landscape of the church across the world. Okay? Now, you can argue with me later about my hypothesis because I don't really care. But the implications of that revival, I'm not going to say that it was bad. I'm not going to say that it was good. I'm going to say that it changed the church forever. Okay? It changed the landscape. Because up until the 1900s, the church didn't argue a lot about the Holy Spirit. We really focused more upon the theology of the Holy Spirit. After that time, 
we have a lot of denominations. We've had a lot of divisions. We've had a lot of uh, uh, factions that have happened within the church. So this is my conclusion. All right, and you are in a non-denominational church. I will say non-denominational churches are part of the solution to the division that occurred in God's church because of the early 1900s. There is a lot of division, and you guys come in here with a lot of that baggage, because I guarantee you, if we on staff are from multiple denominations, from Presbyterian to Pentecostal to Episcopalian to Baptist to Brethren to non-denominational, you know what? We all get along really well. I can't say we because I'm not on staff anymore, but when I was, we all got along really well. Why? Because we don't argue about me being right all the time. We are. We just keep. I'm just joking. I had that. I was getting really. I, it was too serious. All right. So, we don't argue about the things that we disagree upon. Why? Because we focus upon the main thing, and that's Jesus and the theology of the Trinity. Now, are there things that we don't understand? Yeah. Are there things that we disagree upon? Yeah. But the beauty of it is we stay united on the things that we do agree upon. And that's when we move on to maturity. And that's what we want for everybody. So our theme verse comes out of a passage that all denominations agree upon. There's, no, there's nothing that we disagree upon in this. Um, it's, it's, part of what we, it's part of what we all agree upon. Um, yeah, I covered that one. It's out of, the, out of Galatians. When Paul is talking to the church of Galatia, when, they're, when they were arguing amongst themselves, they were like, okay, well, what's sin? What isn't sin? They were struggling with their morality. All right, and in comes our theme verse, but it's a theme passage. And if you could have a list, all right, for you list makers that want to be able to check off your good deeds, all right, if you could have one, this is the passage you'd get it out of. But because of the way the passage starts, it nullifies your ability to create a list. But if you could have a list, it'd be here, okay? So I'm going to give you the list that you could create, but you can't really create it. It's just for show-ish. Okay? All right, let's get into it. Paul does a great job, all right? But seriously, you can't have a list of morality. What we have is an opportunity to discover whether or not we're letting God lead in our lives, all right? So here it is. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. This is why we can't have a list. Because if you have a list, you're not free. You're burdened by trying to meet the criteria. So you can't have a list because we are called to be free in Christ. You have been set free. There is no shame. There is no condemnation. But do not use your freedom to indulge your flesh. Okay, but since you are free, it doesn't mean you can keep going on sinning. Rather, serve everybody humbly in love. Keep going. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's all driven out of love. Because if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So there's a difference that happens here. When you're walking by the Spirit, it's in opposition to your flesh. All right? But they're both going on at the same time. This is how it expresses itself. This is the manifestation of the Spirit at work within our lives. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one another, so that you are not to do whatever you want. Well, that sounds kind of like a list. No, it's just going to show you what you're, when, so you know when you're not walking in the spirit. All right, keep going. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Oh, now I'm free again. But you just said to find one. This is where it gets kind of confusing, because from this passage, I can see why people think that there's a list. But the acts of flesh are obvious. 
sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. Those are all having to do with sexual immorality. We are living in a time and day and age where the church is doing nothing but okaying sexual immorality. Idolatry and witchcraft. If you were here a few months ago, Chris did a great job on idolatry. Go back and find that sermon series and witchcraft. Hatred is on this list? Discord? Wait a second. COVID hasn't done anything to the church or families. Really? Like, did did this Bible 2,000 years ago know we were going to have problems today? Like, with all the, wow, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions amongst factions, different denominations that can't get along when we're talking about the Spirit and we're going to make denominations about our opinion. Okay, anyways, envy, drunkenness. Oh, let's just bury our heads and get over with um, this life. Eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die, right? And orgies and the like. Hmm. You know, Paul says, I can keep going. I can keep the list going. But this is so you know when you're not living by the Spirit. This is the flesh. So if you're engaging in these things, you're engaging in satisfying your flesh. But I warn you, as you did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, so what's what's the alternative? The fruit of the Spirit. The manifestation of the Spirit. The expression of the Spirit in your life as a believer. It's love. It's joy. It's peace forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against all these things, there is no law. Wow. That's beautiful. We're going to talk more about that in a second, but keep going. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. What happens is when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that seal, that deposit, that guarantee that defeat, what Christ did on the cross, he gives us access to the ability to crucify our flesh. He says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified all those evil desires. You're like, no, I didn't. No, you didn't. Christ did. You're just still living by them. Why? Because you're in step with your flesh more than you're in step with your spirit. Well, how do we fix that? Well, we're going to get to that. Since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. And I love this part. He ends it with, but let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. Because there are going to be some people who live in more freedom than others. There's going to be some people that live in God's grace better than others. There's going to be some people that live in God's victory better than others. And there isn't a single one of us that isn't equal with one another in this room. There's no spiritual person that is better than another one. There isn't a single one of us on staff that's more spiritually enlightened or uh, able to get to God than you are. The Christ gave each and every single one of us equal access to his Holy Spirit. Now, I can't, I can't say it better than Paul. And if I hear one more lame excuse, but Donnie, life is just different now. You don't understand the sexual things have changed nowadays and, and we're a little bit more woke. There's no amount of wokeness. There's no amount of intolerance or tolerance. There's no amount of uh, inclusion. There's nothing that's going to take away what sin is. Sin is the desire to feed our our selfish self and to fulfill our desires that is what that is what the flesh is and just because we desire it doesn't make it right and that's been the battle since the beginning of time that's what the garden of eden was all about they wanted to do what they wanted to do they wanted to satisfy their flesh 
That's been the challenge ever since the beginning of time. And yet we still struggle with it. Our flesh desires to be fulfilled. And the Spirit says, I give you power to overcome that desire. And then we are down here trying to figure out what that looks like. The fruits of the Spirit will help us overcome every single one of those. And I will tell you right now, the fruits of the Spirit will override the gifts of the Spirit all day long. So if you could have a list, all right, because I know we all like lists. We want to be able to check it off. Okay, yeah, but Donnie, there really is a list. All right, if you could have a list. This is just to tell whether or not, are you in step with the Spirit? All right, because not a list to condemn yourself. If you use this list to condemn yourself with, then you totally miss the entire point of what Christ did. This is a list to decide whether or not are you understanding what the Spirit has given you power to. If you aren't experiencing victory in these areas, then you haven't experienced being in step with the Spirit yet. There's more to the Christian faith than what you've experienced, is what that means. doesn't mean that you're a failure. doesn't mean that you're a loser. doesn't mean that you're a horrible, rotten person. It means that you have yet to experience the fullness of Christ, and that's what a mature believer does. We want you to become full in your maturity. So the way to discover, are you walking in the fullness of Christ, ask yourself, is my life marked by love in the midst of unforgiveness? There's plenty of unforgiveness in this world. Not your unforgiveness. I'm talking about when other people don't forgive you. And cripes, that happens in everybody's families. We live in a cancel culture for right now. Is our love overriding it or are we joining it? Do you have joy in the midst of sorrow or are you praying to get rid of your sorrows? Our joy is internal. God promised we're going to have sorrows. Does the world know that you have an inner joy? Peace in the midst of storms. We ask God to take away the storm. He doesn't say there's going to be an absence of storms. In fact, quite the opposite. He says he promises he's going to give us peace in the middle of your storm. That looks vastly different than peace because I have no storm. Okay, Don't, don't confuse the two, and that's what Christians beg for all the time. Patience in the midst of trials. I'd rather just not have any trials, Jesus. Well, then you aren't going to become mature. You see how this works? Like, is your, mark, is your life marked by patience? Is your, mark, is your life marked by kindness in the midst of hostility? Try telling the world about Christ. You'll find a hostile world real quick. Is it good, full of goodness in the midst of corruption? Oh, just look at tax season or your, your business model or your business ethics. Or, cripes, look at bioethics right now. Are we good in the midst? We need followers of Christ in every area of this world modeling goodness in the midst of the corruption that exists around us. Faithfulness in the midst of temptation. Yeah. Oh, I love this one when I get it, when I talk to people. Yeah, but Donna, you don't understand. I feel so good when I'm with them. They make me so happy. Dude, you're married. Yeah, but Donnie, we do devotions together. Dude, you're married. I don't care, Donnie, you don't understand. Like, we pray together and we connect in the spirit. Faithfulness in the midst of temptation. I'm not saying it's not tempting, but you got no commitment. Where's the faithfulness? I can't tell you, Donnie, you don't even understand. I can't. No, you can't because you're doing it on your own. You got to do it in the mind of Christ. Gentleness in the midst of rage. Oh, yeah, I gave it to him, though. Why well, I'm so sick of listening to all this COVID garbage. Are you gentle in your words? I don't know. How about self-control in the midst of depravity? If your sin isn't fun, you're sinning wrong. All right? Do you have self-control over your sin? <laughs> self sin is pleasurable for the season. But God gave us self-control. But we act like we got nothing. 
I have so many parents and grandparents that are afraid to raise kids, to birth kids, because we're just living our life and we don't know what our kids are coming into and it's not a safe world we're living in. It never has been. It never has been. God planted us on this earth to be a reflection of him since the beginning of time. The world has never been friendly to God. It's not going to start we live our lives in segregation instead of integration. We build bubbles and we call them socioeconomic divisions and we, we make it okay because it feels better. But the reality is as Christians, we spend so much time trying to safeguard ourselves instead of inserting ourselves into a world full of evil and darkness because we have the message of hope and we have the power of Christ to light the world within us but we spend ourselves so much time just trying to be around people like us that we miss the point of why he even put us here because we think we're here for us and not for him. Thank you, amen. And that's what the Holy Spirit does is he gives you supernatural power. Supernatural, that means I can't explain it. But when you're in step with the Spirit, you will feel it. You'll be like, wow, I didn't, I didn't know you could, I could do that. You can't. That's why it says don't become conceited. All of a sudden, when you start walking this up, you're going to think, oh, man, I'll get <laughs> Didn't see that coming. Yeah, because you get full of yourself. Don't get conceited. You got nothing. That's the power of Jesus at work in you. If it was up to you, he, sometimes, well, I don't know about you. Me, he lets me trip. Just to remind me. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, sorry about that one, God, that was, that was bad. All right? But what we have to do is we have to start living, folks, as a church, as followers of Christ. We've got to start living like our hope in Christ, that, we, that our hope in Christ that we have is more powerful than the darkness of the enemy in the world around us. That's what we've got to start believing. The power that we have within is way more powerful than the world that we live in. That's the beauty of Christ. And when we start living by the fruits of the Spirit, I don't care what your gift is, you're going to make a difference. Because you're going to look different. You're going to act different. You're going to sound different than everybody around you. Your coworkers won't be able to help but notice there's a difference. And don't give them, well, I'm just a good person. No, you're not. You're a horrible person. You just have Jesus helping you be a better person. If we're honest with ourselves, we're bad. Okay, maybe you're not. I am. Okay? I don't know, I don't spend a lot of time talking about stuff that happens in our family, but the last two years have been rough for our family. We've had multiple accidents, life-threatening accidents. We've had floods in our house. We've had insurance issues. We've had cancer diagnoses. We've had, um, I've had to become executor for my, my aunt. We've had all kinds of stuff happen. We've had good things, weddings and, and graduations, but watching your kids get older, that's a difficult transition too. Uh, down to the house isn't selling the way we want, job changes. There's been so many things that haven't gone well. Guess what happened? It caught up to me a couple months, a month ago. You know what I did? I handled it just like the spirit would. No, no. I went to my warehouse and I found a couple golf clubs. By the way, they're not good weapons. They break really easily. I had a few other things that made their way against the wall. Acted like a little baby. And after I got done acting like a little baby, God said, are you done? Now pick yourself up. Stop acting like a little baby. Strengthen your weak arms and your feeble or your weak knees and your feeble arms. Who were you to question me? Were you at the beginning of the earth when I put the earth on its rotation? You see, I lost my focus. I was just in this conversation with Stacy the other day. Stacy's my wife. She's here, by the way. 
hope, yay. So if you miss the inner, she's there. I just was in this conversation. She's like, well, what happened? I was like, I lost my focus. I grew weary. Why did you grow weary, Donnie? Because I started thinking I was the one doing it. It's the power of the Spirit that works within us. It's not the power of me. Now, you all have different strengths. Now, don't judge me because I broke stuff. They just said don't get conceited. You just have something different. Maybe yours is alcohol. I don't care. We all have a nemesis within our life that gets us, that trips us up. That's how we know if we're in step with the Spirit, if we're in step with the flesh. My flesh won big. But the beauty of God's grace is we're never alone in the fire. Right? The Holy Spirit's right there with me. And I tell you that story simply because I want you to know life gets hard. I get it. Cripes, we can't live by the fruits of the Spirit. You think we're ever going to get the gifts of the Spirit right? Because that's where the real division comes along. There's no denomination that struggles with the division or the, what we talk about with the fruits of the Spirit. Everybody agrees the fruits of the Spirit should be there. But we'd rather fight and argue about stuff that we can actually point to because we can see that. You see how this works? Like if, if, we, if we actually live by the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, these giftingness and the conversations we have about them would change. So here's what I want to get to before we get into what the gifts actually look like and the divisions that we have within us is when you receive the seal, this, when you receive the Holy Spirit and you receive that power to actually live this out, you also receive a supernatural power in giftings. There's this, there's this supernatural element that happens in our life that is unexplainable. Even by Jesus' own words, we can't describe it, but yet it happens. And so Paul wrote to the Galatians, he wrote about their morality. Well, Paul wrote to the Corinthians, helping them understand the gifts. Because the church, followers of Christ, we've been struggling with these things for thousands of years. All right, We're no different. That's why it doesn't matter what technology we create or what innovations there are around us. The goal of a follower of Christ is to raise up kids that will learn how to become a model of Christ in their environment. That is why we're down here. And so we have to figure out how do we model this life-giving, life-transformation in the world that we live in. And so he gives us gifts too. All right, so what are these gifts? Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant about these things, brothers and sisters, or uninformed. Keep going. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Now, if you don't understand pagan, uh, watch some of the Viking shows or whatever out there. Uh, if you don't understand what that really looks like, I mean, there's, there's some deep, dark spiritual um, magic that happens within these things. So um, they would have totally understood what he was talking about. In our nice Western world, we don't always understand it, but demons have to submit themselves to God. Like, they, they don't have an option. And if you ever are part of um, casting out demons, if you're ever in that type of ministry, um, they have to answer you who Jesus is. So you, one of the easiest tests is to say, who do you say that Jesus is? If they say Jesus is Lord, then it's not a deceiving spirit. Because even a deceiving spirit cannot say that Jesus Christ is Lord. So it says, he gives them a test. The only way you know if this is truly of the Holy Spirit, I want you to know, Jesus be cursed? No one can say that. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. All right? So someone with the Holy Spirit can't say Jesus is cursed, and someone with the Holy Spirit or without the Holy Spirit, can't say Jesus is the Lord. Pretty simple. Now, that's the easy test. Now, what does it mean then when we say Jesus is Lord of our life? Okay, he keeps on with more instruction. There are different kinds of gifts for all of you, but the same Spirit distributes them. 
Okay? The same Spirit, the same Holy Spirit. He distributes them, not us. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working. But in all of them and in everyone, in all the workings and all the gifts, and in every single one of you, they're the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation, the expression of the Spirit is given for the common good. God is going to equip you with the ability to have supernatural giftings so that you can build up the church, so you can build up his kingdom, so that you can point back to his glory. That is what the Holy Spirit is down here for. We sang about it. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another one of you, there's a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another one of you, there's a message of faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that same one Spirit. To another one, miraculous powers. One of you has them, please let us know. Another one of you, prophecy. Another one, distinguishing between the spirits. Another one, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still another to the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them. He distributes them to each person as he determines. You can't have all of them. There isn't a single person in this room that has all the gifts of the Spirit. Because if we did, there'd be no need for the body. And God's not going to do that. All right? They're all here for the body of Christ. And he determines who he's going to give them to. The question is, what is yours? And if you don't know what your spiritual gift is, you need to go to growth track. That's what we do. Because we want to make mature believers. We want you to be in step with that spirit. With that spiritual gift. But what does that look like if you have it? How do you build up the faith? Okay, Again, go to growth track because we want you to have that. But we want you to first understand that you have been supernaturally gifted by God for a purpose. Read the book. <laughs> Matt wrote it. It's really, it's really, really good. And it's easy to read. It's short. It's quick. You can do it. When we've been given the power inside to advance his kingdom, folks, this is, this is the purpose of the church. He is... He has empowered each and every single one of us with certain gifts to build his body. That is why we're down here. We're not down here for my benefit. We're not down here for your benefit. We're down here to glorify God, our King, Jesus' Father in heaven. That is what the whole purpose of this life is for. So why keep in step with the Spirit? Because we want you to know that you have the ability. God has not left you high and dry. You don't have to wonder, oh, I can't do that. We know you can't do that. God knew we couldn't do that. That's why he gave you himself. That's why he gave you the spirit to live inside of you to help you. This is what I know. What happens when we get giftings, especially in the manifestation gifts. I've been doing this a long time. Someone gets the gift uh, and it's usually prophecy, wisdom, word of knowledge, or uh, speaking in tongues or healing. Uh, and then all of a sudden they're off to the races and they know more than anybody else around them. Um, and then they will leave the church and they'll take a bunch of people with them because for some reason the pastor didn't agree with them. Okay, Happens all the time. This is what I know. If you get a gift, a spiritual gift that manifests itself like that, and I believe that they exist, all right? I do believe. I, I believe I've personally healed people. I've cast out demons. I know these exist, all right? It's not a question. I don't talk about them because people oftentimes highlight that person versus this gift of why God even did it in the first place. It's to build his body. It's not to build up some pastor's name. That's garbage. If you live in step with the fruit of the Spirit, you will never divide the church with your gift. That's what I know. 
There's a guy, one of Matt's buddies, one of my friends now, he's a, in, I shouldn't tell you which uh, denomination. There's a denomination. He was uh, going on a mission trip. He was sick as a dog, high fever, couldn't hardly function, but the, he, was only, he only had one opportunity to teach his tribe over there. And he's like, I'm going to do it. No one can keep him from it. Uh, you have friends like that. And, uh, and so he was, he was going to go and he did it. And he can't remember a single thing that he said, uh, but uh, at the end of it, multiple people in the tribe got saved they were all going up to him how did you know our language and he's like ah, i was speaking english like i didn't know your language um and that's all he knows the denominational head found out about it when he got back from the trip um and they they threw him a party right no they found out that he spoke in tongues uh representing their church and they they took away his ordination and kicked him out <laughs> thank you for advancing the kingdom of god for us right why because it didn't fit within the context of his gifting. Now, he didn't divide the church. He could have made, trust me, the man could have made a stink. But he didn't. He went away quietly. So when that happens, if you truly bring your gift under the submission of the Holy Spirit, you're not going to divide his church. Now, was he hurt? Yeah. Was his family hurt? Unbelievably. Did it affect the trajectory of his ministry and his life? 100%. But did he handle it in a way that was honoring to God? If you knew the man, you'd know he did. So why does that happen? It's because oftentimes we don't understand how these gifts are supposed to work. You may have one that you are keeping buried. You may have one you don't understand. You may have one you don't like. But the reality is God has given it to you on purpose for a purpose to build up his kingdom. We believe that the gifts are all there, and it's there for his body. Why? Because that's what Christ did. I want to close with Christ's prayer for all of us. It comes out of John 17. It's the most powerful prayer I think we have of Jesus. And this is shortly into it, um, but he's talking to his dad. He's talking to his father. He says, Dad, I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you now. But I'm saying these things. He's in front of his followers. I'm saying these things while I'm still in this world so that they may have the full measure of my joy while I'm with them. He's going through one of the worst times of his life, and he's saying, I want them to have my fullness of my joy. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they're not of this world any more than I am of this world. That means we're all just aliens on this world down here for God's pleasure. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world. See, he didn't even pray that we are taken out of the storm. No, he says, just protect them from the evil one. Don't let, them, don't let the evil one take their faith from them. They're not of this world, even as I'm not of this world. Sanctify them by this truth. This sanctification is walking in step with the Spirit. That's the sanctification. Sanctify them by walking in step with the Spirit. Your word is truth. As you sent me into this world, I've sent them into the world. That's why we're here. We're here to integrate with the dark world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. He'd given us his power. He, he overcame every single one of those difficulties for us. And then he gave us his spirit to do it. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. We are those people. And hopefully, Lord willing, if we do this right as a church, there will be generations long after us. Now I realize Christ could come back tomorrow. All right, well, what's he going to find me doing? Is, are people going to be coming to his kingdom because of me? That all of them, my prayer is that they will be one. Father, 
just as you are me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me, that we would be one, that we'd be unified. That's why I believe that we've got to put away all these denominational factors and doctrines and divisions we have. I've given them the full glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. He's not asking us to do something that he didn't already equip us to do. I and them, you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. That unity, that unity, that one, that become, becoming one, that's the message of Christ. That's the power of the Spirit. Being in step with him will be a reflection of his love for the world to those around us. Imagine if all of us in this room, as we walk out those doors, look at our lives, our daily lives, between now and next week alone, at every opportunity that God gives us is an opportunity to be a reflection of that oneness of Christ to the people that are in our lives. Imagine. It would change relationships, probably change families. And the beautiful thing is, God has supernaturally equipped you to be able to do just that. And that's what we hope you take away from this series, is that you have literally the Spirit of Christ inside of you. No matter if you've messed up, if you've tripped, thrown a golf club or two, God is right there with you. Life gets tough, but God wants to work in and through your life. He's given us all the same access. Let's pray. God, we love you. And I don't know where everybody's at in this room, but I know that you're here with all of us. And so God, I don't know what you've spoken to each person, but God, I pray that whatever they're laying on the altar of their mind, whatever they're struggling with in their mind, whatever they're being affirmed in, whatever they're being confirmed in, whatever they may be being challenged in. Lord, if there's a voice of condemnation or guilt, God, I pray that you just silence that voice. But God, if there's a voice of conviction or challenge or just a, a voice of affirmation, encouragement, God, I pray that they latch onto it. God, you are so amazing and you've called us to so much more. You've given each of us the opportunity to be a reflection of you down here in this dark world. Lord, let us rely upon the light that you've given to us versus asking you to take away the darkness. God, let your light shine before men that your name would be glorified, that you would be honored, and use us, little old Journey Church, the people that call this home, to glorify your name. All God's children said, amen.